Uggy Boy looks just like the arcade version. But how does it play? It's the Atari ST Show 8. Hi everybody, welcome to the Atari ST Show. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Buggy Boy. Oh boy. Now, Aaron, as you know, back in the day, dune buggies were all the rage. Did you ever get caught up in the dune buggy craze? Well, no. Dune buggies were, I mean, they did, there was a a period in the 70s where dune buggies were a real big deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we don't live in the kind of area where a dune buggy... Well, I mean, we've got we moved on to when they became when four by fours came out. The the little uh, ATVs the, are sort of ATVs, a logical extension yeah, of dune buggies. Yeah, yeah. those and they they fit the kind of area that we have here because dune buggies. I mean, they're made for dunes. And we don't so have a lot they, of sand in West Virginia. They wouldn't work too good here because we'd bust the tires real quick. But I mean, people had them. I see people in, in this neighborhood that had them. You just got to be careful where you drive them around. But I've never mm-hmm. I've never been in one to be honest. Have you? No, no, but I had a bunch of like, you know, the Hot Wheels and the Matchbox cars that were dune yeah. buggy. There's something that I liked about them. I mean, they almost looked like um even the ones that didn't talk, like Speed Buggy. They almost looked cartoonish, you know, with their big eyes or their big, big you know, headlights, big tires yeah. and stuff like that. You yeah, know, um, yeah. And so, uh but I never really did much research on dune buggies. I mean, until the show came out. I mean, when am I going to be doing research on dune buggies? But wait a minute, you did dune buggy listen, research man. for Buggy Boy? Holy on the, smoke! On the ST show, we don't go halfway. We, we <laughs> I give you, I give you the information you need about dune buggies. So, dune buggies, it turns out, were never made in large numbers by traditional car companies. It wasn't like the Ford dune buggy or anything like that. They were always either put together by smaller businesses or the, or you know they sold kits. You could mod an existing car. Um, and you can probably guess what the most popular chassis for building one was. What do you think the most popular dune probably buggy a chassis? Volkswagen. That's right. Something the, light, yeah. That's right. The, the, the Volkswagen bug. Uh, they, they used to chop the top and crop the shop and all that stuff. You know, car words. So, yeah. <laughs> um, when you think of Dune, well, at least when I think of Dune Buggy, I always think of that awesome cartoon Speed Buggy. Do you remember Speed Buggy, Aaron? Yeah, yeah. He'd be like, that's the way. It's sort of like a cross between like the Captain Caveman and the Tasmanian Devil. Yeah. He was slightly more articulate. You know, Speed Buggy was actually kind of lame. I, I watched a couple episodes, and there, there was creepy. There wasn't a whole lot going on with Speed Buggy, other than the fact that you've got like people inside of Speed Buggy riding around. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. It will. I, it, it it followed the Hanna Barbera tradition of just taking one cartoon and then altering the mascot. In this case, they just like they took the Scooby Gang, for example. They got rid of Scooby because he became the car, and so that's, that's the new right. guy. There's a shaggy guy. There's a, they've got all the guys there, and it's and but it's much weirder because you got a guy in the, in the gang dedicated to like you know working on speed buggy. Pretty mm-hmm. weird. Like what's weird. going on there? Yeah, you know yeah. I never liked that. Yeah. Now, do you know who provided uh, speed buggy's voice? Probably Frank Welker. There, everything else. I think more legendary. Who's who's the only person more legendary than Frank uh, Welker? Mel Blank. That's right. Mel yeah, Blank I, was the voice of Speed Buggy. Pretty crazy. That, no kidding. I had no idea. I didn't. Yeah. He was, being a Hanna Barbera cartoon, I didn't know how much Mel Blank dipped his toe on that side of the pool. 
Yeah. I never liked it, though. Not my favorite, Bode. But I did. But the thing is, though, when you were a kid from my generation, I saw every episode of it, even if I didn't like it. I still watch. It's always on. You just watch yeah. it. It's on. Yeah. Well, with that bit of mind blowing trivia, uh, we should thank the fine, fine folks that make this show happen the Game Selection Committee, Aaron. Uh, if you head on over to patreon.com slash Atari ST show, you too can be part of the team that chooses the games that we play every episode. So we want to give a shout out to Richard Davey, Dave Velociraptor, and Graham W. Vebke. Thank you, fellas. Aaron, let's talk about Buggy Boy. Oh, man. Here we go, Bo. Get into it, son. So, Buggy Boy originally got its start in the arcade. Uh, it was developed in Japan by a, a company called Tatsumi. Uh, Tatsumi didn't do a whole lot. It looks like they were active from uh, 84 through 92. But in that period, they only released seven titles. Uh, their, their big claim to fame were these big sit-down cabinets with a three-screen cockpit display. You might call it an environmental display. Um, yeah. The first game they released with this technology, do you, do you happen to know this, Aaron? The, the first of these three monitor games? No, I don't. I, it's funny when we researched this for another show. I that's where I stumbled upon it because I didn't realize there were that many people doing that sort of tech back in the day like right. that. I was surprised. Well, check this out. The first game that they released with this technology was a racing sim called TX One. Okay, and TX One it was released in 1983. Uh, it was developed by Tatsumi, but it was licensed to Namco in Japan and Atari in the U.S. A lot of people consider this to be like the unofficial pole position three. You know, you had pole position one, pole position two. The third one, a lot of people consider to be TX1. I think that uh, that it was not popular because those three monitor cabinets were really expensive and took up a lot of real estate in the old arcade. Um, yeah. But I checked it out on YouTube, and it looks great. Like, I, I, I'm seriously, next time I pull out the old emulator, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fire this thing up because it looks like pole position, but everything has a cleaner, uh, less pixelated look. And seeing the 3D effect of the scenery on the side of the track as it approaches with that extra wide screen, you get so much more viewing space. It's just really, really a great look, and it, and it, but it still keeps that pole position feel. It really, when you look at this game, Aaron, it you will not believe that it came out in 1983. I mean, it just looks spectacular. I honestly don't think any other racing game could touch it, and it's it's amazing to me that it's it's. it's as obscure as it is, uh, but again, I think it's just because it was only released in that three-monitor-wide sit-down cabinet. I'm trying to think of what the earliest arcade game I ever saw that had multiple screens mm -hmm. like that. And I mean, there was—I mean, I can a, a couple spring to mind, but I mean, it's it, trying to get the timeline down. I mean, there were games like Cyberball where you'd have like multiple players, but I'm talking just like a racing title or something. I mean. I mean, the earliest one I remember that seeing around here anyway would be would be something like X Men or something, where you had the multi, you know, the big one that had the multiple monitors in it. But I don't remember seeing any racing games or anything like that. So they must have been cost prohibitive to have uh, in these parts, boat. Well, the the only thing other thing I was thinking of is that you know, Dragon's Lair had the had the they had the two stacked monitors. Yeah, but, but I they don't were showing that. the same thing. Yeah, 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 I, I, yeah. That's true. I did see those, but I'm talking. That were involved in gameplay. Right. Those multiple monitor machines were just so huge and expensive. You got think monitors were all CRT. They were just monstrous. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I w that's why I was so stunned when we were doing research for this and that came up because that I would not have expected on a game like this. 
Yeah, yeah. So Tatsumi took this three-screen concept and shifted from an F1 simulation-style game, the, the TX1, to something a little bit more arcadey, and Buggy Boy was born. Uh, Buggy Boy was released in 1985. Uh, Tatsumi, again, handled the publishing and distribution in Japan. They licensed the distribution to Electrocoin in the UK. I like that name, Electrocoin. And uh, in, in the US, they licensed it to uh, Data East. Uh, the US version of this game in the arcade was uh, renamed as Speed Buggy, but in the UK, it retained its Buggy Boy Japanese moniker. Which do you think is a better name, Aaron? Buggy Boy or Speed Buggy? I think calling it Speed Buggy here was probably a good move. Buggy Boy, I've always thought that was a pretty dumb name. If I'm, yeah, if I'm honest, I, I agree with you. This is this is in this case, uh, the the U.S. market made the right call. That doesn't yeah. happen most of the time with it when stuff comes over, but in no. this case, I agree. Now, as far as I can tell, uh, Speed Buggy, the U.S. version, uh, was only released as a stand-up single-screen game, uh, and that's what the home conversions are all based on. Obviously, since nobody was rocking a, a triple-screen setup at home in the '80s, uh, at least that I'm aware of. Did you know anybody with multiple TVs, Aaron, like spanning the 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 width? Uh, in the '80s, yeah. God, no, no, yeah. no, no. Who could afford those? It would cost a fortune. No, right. no way. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's get into the ST version. That was a little bit about the uh, the arcade. Now the ST uh, version was published by Elite. This was a European release uh, with the original Buggy Boy name. Uh, in the U.S., it was uh, published by Data East and uh, went when it was uh, called Speed Buggy, just like the the ST ver or just like the arcade version. Uh, there were two folks behind the port. That's it, just two. Uh, Martin Ward did the graphics and programming. Uh, he also worked on the ST port of Ghosts and Goblins. Uh, he did Live and Let Die and World Championship Soccer. A guy named Jason Brook did the music and sound effects. He worked on sound for a ton of games on the ST, including Pac-Land, OutRun, Akari Warriors, and Heavy Metal. You should mm -hmm. play Heavy Metal sometime, Aaron, on the ST. It's a great I movie. Mean, you're, you're a big fan of that, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the box, Aaron. The box on this game is very interesting. You see it here on the screen if you're watching the YouTube version. So this it features the Japanese arcade original um, uh, cabinet, but it's been modified to only have one screen. Now, a single-screen version of Buggy Boy was released in Japan as Buggy Boy Jr., but it's got different art, and it was stand-up only. So this may be one of the rare instances of a photo of an arcade machine on a home port that was entirely invented just for the box art. Isn't that wild, Aaron? This that is the, bizarre. The the box art uh, on this game. Uh, actually, I guess we don't have the box art up on this on this screen. Uh, but the box art on this uh, was it, you'll see an arcade cabinet, but that arcade cabinet does not exist in any form. It's it's just it was a, it was an artistic imagining of what the the arcade machine. There we go. It's got these roll bars. That are that that connect the uh, the 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 arcade cabinet with the seat, which is a cool effect. Don't get me wrong, uh, but that I did extensive research uh, looking for this thing. It does not exist. This is this is an artistic rendition of an imaginary arcade cabinet. It's it looks like something you would see there. They did a good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. As far as the game story goes, uh, there is none. There's no story. Uh, the, the entire exposition from the manual is, Buggy Boy is the ultimate driving challenge. That's it. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. They're not uh, wrong. Aaron, have you played Buggy Boy before? Yeah. 
Well, yeah, obviously we we played it we played it on another machine, uh, and I've also played the arcade version of it as well. Uh, and uh, um, I'm I, I don't think I ever saw this in an arcade in uh, around me. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm pretty sure I never saw this in the arcade. I don't recall. I have to sit back and really think about it, but I don't remember seeing it. Now, watch. I'll go back and watch another show where I'm like, oh, I played it all the time. Uh, but uh, uh, I don't recall seeing uh, this in the arcade. So this was one that I heard about when we were doing these shows. I, I heard about it all the time. And I thought, okay, this one's over with, with somebody. Uh, but no, this one was unknown to me in the arcade. Yeah, yeah. I, I never played this in the arcade. I think the first time that I actually played this on anything was when Rob Flack O'Hara came to visit uh, Amigo Studios back in the early days of the podcast. And uh, he was covering Buggy Boy, I believe, on Sprite Castle. So we did a couple uh, Amigos Plays videos of this game and the C64 version back-to-back. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, the C64 version later on. But uh, how would you describe the gameplay in Buggy Boy, Aaron? I mean, it is a unique racing title. Uh, it, 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 for you're not really, it's not really a race. I guess it's like a time challenge or whatever, mm-hmm. just trying to complete the course. Uh, but the the flag dynamic gives this a different feel. Uh, the uh, it's uh, it's very cartoony, it's very colorful, uh, it's it's very stylized. I mean, I certainly can't hold anything against it uh, from the way it looks. Uh, and the ST version, I think it carried it over pretty nicely. Uh, a lot of the elements from the arcade, uh, the uh, buggy looks cool. It it does tricks. It it can go. They've got uh, elevated parts of the track. They've got parts where you uh, go on two wheels, where you go through water, where they uh, when you hit logs, you jump up in the air. Uh, and you've also got gates like you would have if you were skiing, you know, or playing something like tubing that you mm-hmm. go through. Uh, and then you uh, some tracks are split in the legs. I think there's at least I know there's one. That's a loop that you do loops of. I believe that's the the first track, the off road track. Uh, so they've there's some diversity to the gameplay, uh, and uh, you could I could see how it's appealing to folks. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you did a great job of kind of summing it up. You know, this is a Buggy Boy is a race game, but it's not a race. Like you said, it's a, it's a race against the clock. Uh, there there's five different tracks, which are, are known as the the you know five different courses. Uh, there's uh, off-road, north, east, west, and south. So it's a pretty good amount of tracks that you get, and you can select any one that you want from the beginning. Which in my in my book, it, make, it makes this uh, go several uh, several percentage points above many racing games in which you can't choose where you start. So I, I enjoy that. Uh, the off-road course, as you said, is the only one that loops around back to the start. The others are just long runs with a distinct beginning and ending, and you've got to complete each leg of the race before uh, the time runs out. Uh, along the way, you pick up all kinds of bonuses. Uh, so the way that this game works is you've got gates that you're, you can travel through, uh, or you can pick up flags. Uh, colored flags are 30 points each. And you have a track, like a scoring track, up at the top. And if you collect the uh, the flags in the order that they're presented on the scoring track, uh, you get a, a thousand point bonus. The flags start flashing colors. It's a it's a it's a sight for the eyes, Aaron. Um, there's several gates that give you a hundred, two hundred fifty, or five hundred points. There's also a gate that gives you extra time. You definitely do not want to miss those gates. Those gates are lifesavers. Um, 
you uh, you drive through a time gate to collect it, and you receive two seconds extra time upon completing a leg. Um, occasionally, uh, there will be a soccer ball on the road, uh, which is funny. It, I don't think it, I, I guess uh, I didn't realize this. I'm just reading it for the first time now. If you hit the soccer ball, it flies off, and you get two thousand points. So that's actually the biggest point item in the game is that soccer ball. Did you ever kick the soccer ball with your dune buggy, Aaron? I never, I never encountered the soccer ball. I did see it on videos, but I never, I never actually got far enough to hit the soccer ball. Sort of like which... the diamond in Mr. Do. It only appears very, very rarely. Um, there it's not are that rare. There I are. I don't think it's as rare as the diamond. There are bridges and tunnels in this game. Uh, the the tunnels look like your classic video game tunnels, where it's like the the world is condensed down into a little square that you drive through that extends across the horizon. Uh, you've got bridges to deal with. You don't want to fall off the bridges. Uh, you don't want to crash into the tunnel walls. Uh, there's also obstacles that you've got to contend with, like boulders. There's logs. There's fences. Uh, if you hit these things, this is a definitely not a pole position like game where it's you know you crash, you kind of roll out of the way, uh, and it it costs you seconds of time, um, and then you just get you get back on you get back on the horse and you go. Uh, if you hit a log or a small stone just right, your buggy actually goes up on two wheels, and I don't know that there's any advantage to riding around on two wheels, but man, it looks freaking cool when you do that. Everybody yeah. wanted to ride around on two wheels like that. I remember going to, I've never been to a monster truck show, but I, I, I remember seeing a VHS tape of one on TV where the guy's whole shtick was he was able to drive laps around this track up on two wheels. You ever see that get up, Aaron? I've not seen that, no. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, you get to live your dream of driving on two wheels in Buggy Boy. Now, <clears throat> Aaron, uh, as far as the graphics go in this game, would you say that they're pretty spot on in terms of the arcade port? I think they look pretty good, actually. They did a pretty good job. The uh, the key to this game is how the scrolling is rendered, how the, uh, especially when you get to areas like the uh, tunnels and whatnot, and, and uh, you know, big curves and big uh, the big uh, inclines. They do a good job, you know, really. I mean, this is a, a, a very fair uh, portrayal of what you're going to see in the arcade. Uh, I I thought they I was pleasantly surprised, Boat. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I I think that graphically, I mean, if you took a screenshot of this and a screenshot of the arcade, especially the, the you know the single monitor version of the game, mm-hmm. I mean, it is it is pretty pretty dead on. Uh, where the game uh, really uh, the the detriment is is the frame rate. The the the, the game sort of chugs a little bit. Yeah, I and mean, it doesn't help it the in this game. The, the, they made the strategic or the artistic decision to make your buggy kind of like always doing these like I don't know how would you describe the motion that your buggy is doing as it drives along? It always looks like it's going over bumps. Yeah, you know, but if you watch a if you watch a Doom buggy, that's sort of the kind of the way they they're always kind of bouncy. You know? Well, I, that may be true, but I found it to be incredibly distracting, and it made me feel like the frame rate was even worse than it is because it looks like your buggy is physically stuttering along as you play. Yeah, it does. It, it's uh, it's not it, it's not a deal breaker, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, the sound in this game there is is nothing to write home about. Uh, you get a little tune at the beginning. Uh, you get a little tune at the end. You get nothing but engine noise uh, in the in the middle. Uh, I, this is a game, Aaron, that I really think could have used some background music. I, I don't think there was background music in the arcade version either. But when you're playing a cartoony racing game, I know that there are purists out there 
that when they play a racing game that you know they only want to hear the sound of the engine and that helps them with shifting and things like that but in a game like this i really want some some uh, uh, a bouncy little background tune to be played do you agree wouldn't have hurt you know but i mean it does i will say it's in terms of just in-game noise it's not bad yeah. but i mean yeah it's always nice to have some sort of tune going but the it's not the worst you know, yeah. uh, the the thing with the thing with Buggy Boy here on the ST is, uh, um, you know, I, I you probably know this. I'm not. I was not the biggest fan of this in the arcade, and I, when we tried it on the Amiga, I wasn't the biggest fan of it there, and I'm still not the biggest fan of it. But I, having played this thing a few times now, I'm st- I've warmed to it a bit. The uh, the 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 whole get up with the flags because I mean when you boil this game down you've got the old pole position high and low gear and so and then they with a bunch of crap they, a bunch of obstacles they've stuck in the road all right and the flags are sort of the thing that either gets this over with you or doesn't work and I never liked the whole flag system and it's, the thing is it's built it's the kind of thing that it, normally I would be into. Because I like, you know, me and you, Buffalo, we love spelling bonus and doing mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But in a racing game, it's a real weird concept. And But basically, the flags make the game because it gives you something to do aside from just navigating the course. And what I always did was was going after the flags to the detriment of my time. And I would, I would always have trouble finishing, running out of time. So this time, I tried to concentrate less on the flags. But it, the flags are a neat concept in the game. Uh, I still, you know, I still don't think this is my favorite in terms of a racing game. It's, it's okay. I know why people like it. It's not for me. But I will say, <clears throat> I did better on the ST version than I did in the arcade or on the Amiga. And I think that the f- frame rate is part of it. If if this game has a flaw on the ST it's, in comparison to the Amiga it's that it's sl- slower. It's a slower game on the ST than it was on the Amiga. Well, why don't we why don't we flip on over to the comparison? Sure. And, uh, as you know, this is the uh, every once in a while we choose a game that uh, that made an appearance on the Amiga as well as the ST, and uh, and just to not not to not to point out one being better than the other, but just to point out the the, the differences and the similarities. And as you can see, uh, the graphically the games are pretty identical, pretty identical. But you see, and and again, this is this is not down to the the ST model used. I I on the Mister, I created the ultimate ST mega system with a billion gigs of RAM, <laughs> the STE, a million blitters. I had it all, and uh, and the game still ran exactly like this. Uh, I'm glad just... you mentioned that because it's funny. I was watching playthroughs on this of, of places I couldn't get. Mm-hmm. And all the playthroughs I watched ran faster on their ST than mine did. Like, and I couldn't figure out why it was running so good for them uh, and not for me. And so th- I, now I still wonder because I mean, for me, it ran j- like what you're seeing on the screen right now. That's about the speed it ran for me. But I watched other playthroughs where it seemed to be running a lot faster, and I was now, not I sure say, why. I will say one thing: I did not try was running in NTSC mode. If you ran this in NTSC mode, it would be faster. That might be so, it, Bo. That, that might, might be, be it. it. So, but but I, it slower is not bad for me, because right. I was I was better at it. Right. And so, this game, you know, I'm sort of the opposite. I like the fact, to me, the, the it's the collecting of the flags in order that makes it. If you were just collecting flags for points, that would be lame. Uh, but the but the fact that you have a, a scoring track where you're trying to collect the certain flags, but the game doesn't penalize you 
if you miss, like, it's not a game where if you miss three flags, it's game over. I hate games like that. This is just like an optional thing you can do to try and increase your score, or you can you can forego the flags altogether and just try and get to the end of the course because you also get points. The more time you have left, you get bonus points for that. So this is another one of those classic games, my favorite arcade games, where you have multiple strategies, multiple ways to play it that are equally valid. And, uh, you know, Buggy Boy is a unique game. I don't think there's another racing game like it. Uh, it's It's got a lot of varied tracks uh, that you can choose from the beginning. Um, this is this is one of my favorite sort of behind-the-back arcade <laughs> racers, and by extension, one of my favorite, you know, ST uh, behind-the-back racing ports. I will say, of the, of the ST games we've played of late, I think this one's uh, far and away uh, the best. Uh, you know, and one thing they did on this, I mean, listen, we, okay, you've got the arcade version, right? What's the arcade version have on screen? You've got the game, you've got the track, you've got the place you're on, on the track. It's got your flags, your time, it's got everything you need and it's perfectly done. And of course you, since it's, it's got the gear shift up there, so you know what gear you're in. That's all you need. And so they've got a perfect display set up. Up here, we've complained about this a million times on other machines, on other games, I should say, where they they either frame out the screen in a weird way, or they don't have all the information you need. This game has everything you need right where you need it. It's perfectly displayed, and I appreciate that. The flag thing is neat, like you said, and the fact that when you get, you know, when you get all the flags, and they they basically become wild cards, and so you want to get as many as you can while they're flashing because that will automatically advance up your flag chart, mm-hmm. you know, which is handy. You could, and that what you're on your way to the next thing. So there's a good high score. Like you can play for high score on this. Uh, and that's, that makes it a lot of fun. The v- course variance. It's a winner, man. I mean, if I think, uh, I think this is one of the best things we've played on the ST. Yeah. Yeah. I really wish that, you know, uh, gremlin or magnetic fields or whoever made the Lotus games, you know, those games control so well, the graphics are so good. I wish that they'd take a, a, a point out of the old HUD playbook from Buggy Boy and, and, and just put the, put, the, put the map of the track up there, put your speed. Everything is just, like you said, it's arranged perfectly. All the information yeah. you need is right there. Yeah, it, and I love the fact that they carried that right to the house. It, it looks great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, Aaron, this did come out on some other platforms. It came out on the uh, the Amstrad, the Spectrum, and the C64, in addition to the Amiga. Uh, those versions, well, actually, I want to talk about the C64 version because I think it's the most unique. What they've done on this version is they've actually shrunk the, the player, uh, the buggy, down, and the game runs much faster because of that, but it looks like a totally different game. Have you played the C64 version of this? I've, I've seen it played. I've not played it myself. It is a different look. It's worth checking out just because it is so different, but it's definitely not of the arcade quality that you're going to get on the Amiga or the uh, the Atari ST. There's no way a C64 is going to pull this off. I mean, yeah. I mean, not not in this, not the way this looks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I looked this up on eBay. Uh, it's about twenty five bucks uh, complete. So uh, you can pick this up. It is attainable. Uh, Let's see if we got any uh, reviews here. We did get a few reviews for uh, Atari ST. Uh, We're going to start things off with, uh, or for Buggy Boy. We're going to start things off with, okay, here we go, Photon Storm. He says, this game came bundled with the 520 STFM Super Pack, and as such, I played it endlessly when I first took my ST home from the store in 1988. I thought I may have a rose-titted view of it because it was wrapped up in those exciting first few months of Discovery, 
But playing it today, I realized that no, it's not a nostalgia talking. It's genuinely a really fun game. The graphics are bright and colorful, almost cartoon in style, with solid colors and little in the way of shading. The sound is best perhaps described as functional. But the gameplay is solid. This is helped by five interesting tracks to pick from. The thrill of performing a, long, a log jump and sailing over a fence or skidding through a big point flag on two wheels having avoided the rocks or riding up the side of a wall and sliding down to a narrow bridge over a river. They are, they are all truly entertaining moments that weave together into a highly enjoyable experience. Even today, slamming into the football and sending it soaring over the horizon still makes me smile. I didn't notice any real differences between the Amiga and ST versions beyond the audio, which is sparse at best. Graphically, the Amiga version looks like a direct port and both run at the same pace. If anything, Amiga owners were perhaps a little short-changed here, but it's an early title. I really wish they had included some other cars to race against like the arcade version has, but at the time I didn't know they were missing, so never felt cheated by their omission. This was still great fun in the 80s, and is still great fun today. 9 out of 10. Yeah, I didn't miss the other cars at all, did you, Aaron? No, no, I didn't miss them. I didn't even think about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Salem OK writes, I have no nostalgia for this game as it slipped past me during the ST heyday, although I was aware of it. I've never seen the arcade in the wild either. However, a review from the Joy of Sticks from a few years ago made me understand why this game was so loved then. I had to watch it again after a few games for this review to refresh my memory on the flag collection system and the rules that confused me. Controls are very responsive. I appreciate the control scheme where releasing up doesn't make you decelerate. The only other game I can think of doing that on the ST is Test Drive. I'm going to take a break from the review because I forgot to mention that, Aaron. Yeah. This, I love that. When you accelerate up, unless you hit something or hit the brake, you don't have to keep your finger on the up button, and that's awesome. Because you're, you're going to hit something, though. Unfortunately, that's, at least that's what I did. But yeah, that's a handy. I like that, too. Getting back to the review, he says it makes it much easier to control your turns and curves not to have to constantly push your joystick up. The trade-off being that decelerating inertia is non-existent and you have to explicitly break to slow down. The animation and scrolling are very competent for 1988. I can't think of many racers out at the time that fared much better. OutRun came out the same year. When driving the buggy on slanted slopes, I had a flashback of young me playing Live and Let Die, another elite game based on the same engine with more refined graphics, much more difficult and less fun gameplay. The graphics were pretty close to the arcade, which was pretty limited in number of colors, helping out the ST to match it fairly well. That doesn't mean they're great, though. Pretty much the same goes for the sound and music. Serviceable and close enough to the arcade, which was not mind-blowing. In the end, I find myself slowly getting addicted to the game more and more, and I plan to keep playing it after posting that review, as it edged its way into my regular roster of ST games. 8 out of 10. Probably would have, would have probably been a 9 if I'd played it as a youngster and was boosted by the nostalgia factor. Ajako6502 writes, A very playable single-player game, Buggy Boy has the added element of collecting flags rather than just being a race to the finish line. There were a couple of elements in this game that seemed designed to kill you off such as, as checkpoints and obstacles and narrow bridges across the water. Comparing the ST version against the arcade, you'll see that the, that you'll see that the game is naturally cut down to the oh, ICI. He's making remember when we did the thing with Wilst last time? I forgot yeah. about that. So he wrote in Docker. So I'll say Wilst for every Docker. This is what's known <laughs> as getting in your heads. This is what Joe Madden did with the Cubs. So 
Comparing the ST version against the arcade, you'll see that whilst the game is naturally cut down a little, it's a solid port and does not feel like it's lacking anything. At first I thought the Amiga absolutely whipped the ST. Then realizing my Mr. Minimig setup was quite pimped out, I dialed it back to a stock A500 and the ports are very close. Oddly, the game starting music on the ST seemed quite slow when compared to the Amiga, but it's actually much closer to the arcade. Overall, a good one for the ST Games Library, 8 out of 10. David Hearn Ryder writes, Buggy Boy on the ST is a brilliant conversion, faithful to the original, with bright, colorful graphics and an addictive arcade gameplay. Frame rate is decent, and while it's no stunt car racer, it's not trying to be. You can pick your track, and then you race against the clock while trying to max out your score. By color order is a big part of getting a strong score as well as getting through the bonus gates. It's such, a, it's such fun, and who cares that it's not a simulation? Some say it's not even a driving game due to cornering being so easy. I say who cares? It's great fun, and we'll have you coming back for more even all these decades later. The Amiga version just pips the ST version because it sounds better. Otherwise, they're on par and deserve a place on your top shelf. 8.5 out of 10 because it was fun then, and it's fun now. And finally, Mick Chessers writes... Buggy Boy was the first game I ever played on an ST, running on a machine in our local branch of John Menzies. But what a great demo for the ST it was. Bright, colorful, fast, and it even sounds pretty good. And when I finally got my own on Christmas Day 1988, Buggy Boy was the first disc from that bundled super pack that I put in it. An all-around great arcade conversion that comes loaded with a ton of pleasantly nostalgic feelings. Great reviews this week, guys. Yeah, you know, it's funny, but again, this wasn't a, a big arcade hit here. At least no, no one I know talks about it. But this is the kind of game that can only exist in your earlier arcade because it's such a wacky concept, you know, mm -hmm. the way it looks, the way it plays. It's a nutty game, uh, and it's thankfully it's one that they could port uh, with some prowess. Uh, so, yeah, I give this thing uh, the big thumbs up, Boat. Yeah, I did look up a uh, magazine review. ST Action uh, from June of 1988 gave this game an 83. So they liked Man, it. Man, 83? It. I would have probably went a little bit higher, Boat, if it was me. Well, you know, it's, again, this is uh, 88. Maybe they were thinking, you know, this game is, is based on a, a coin-op game that was several years before. Yeah, you, you might know, be one right. One of those old things, so you never yeah. know. Yeah, but, you're probably you're probably right, but and I and also something that was in here that this game retailed at uh, twenty pounds, twenty pounds. So not a, not a budget title, but not quite a full price title. Right there in the middle. I think that's a bargain, boat. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what else is a bargain, Aaron. Patreon.com slash Atari ST show. If you join us, join our community, we give you access to our Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server where you can post a review for the Atari ST show, just like those fine folks. Uh, you also help us meet our goal of making the Atari ST show a weekly endeavor. We are inching ever closer month by month to getting $200 in Patreon support. As soon as we do, we will be doing an Atari ST show every single week. And who wouldn't want that? I know I want it. And that, Aaron, leads us to our Atari ST Show supporter roll call. So in addition to the Game Selection Committee folks at the beginning, we also have these guys supporting the show. Brett Owens, Laurent Giroux, Twilight Zoner, Olivier Massoud, Tim Drew, Retro Jerry, and Bernard Quinn. Thank you, Thank guys. You. And Aaron... Uh, if you are listening or watching the show live right now, uh, or even if, if, if you're listening to it in the future, 
uh, you can check out our 12-hour charity marathon for Children's Miracle Network. We call it Amigathon. Yeah. You can pretend that we're playing Atari ST games instead. Uh, <laughs> but we will be uh, we'll be going at it uh, a week from today, uh, Ju- July 30th, 2022, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming. Aaron, why don't you tell us a little bit about the schedule for Amigathon this year? We're going to do an old school boat. Uh, we're going to take the first four hours of this bad boy, and we're going to be at Chateau de Boat, as you see behind him, the uh, the very luxurious basement at John's house. Amigo Studios. Gonna, that's right. We're going to do four big hours there. And then I'm going to hop in the hose mobile and pedal my butt back over here to the pad over here to the arcade, where we're going to do four more big hours with the Brent, and then finally capping it off, we're going to do four more mystery hours with somebody. I don't know yet. And if I do know, I ain't saying. Uh, and then we're going to take this thing to the house. Uh, we're doing it all for the Children's Miracle Network. Uh, we've uh, been raising money for them for quite a while now. And uh, we really would appreciate any uh, bucks you could throw our way. You could donate right now at bit.ly forward slash Amigathon 2022. And you could also donate after the fact. So if you feel like throwing a few bucks, uh, we would appreciate it. Every single cent goes to the children, Boat. That's right. That's right. And if you like the Atari ST show and you want to hear us talk about other old computers, we do a bunch of podcasts. We do a, a podcast about the Amiga called Amigos. We do a podcast about the ZX Spectrum called R. Sinclair. Of course, we got the Coco Show, Gaming on the Tandy Color Computer, uh, 1200XL, which is all about the Atari 8-bits, and... Probably, you know, some call it the best show on the network. ARG Presents, where Aaron and the Brent spin the wheel and make the deal. All of these shows can be found on the Amigos Retro Gaming YouTube channel or at anchor.fm slash Amigos Podcast. Aaron, what are we going to be playing next time? Have a look, boat. This one is a weird one, boat. Rock and roll clams? Mm. It's funny because on Amigos, just the other week, we did a show. We did a show on rock and roll. So the yeah. ST once again takes it a step further. It rock and roll clam. clams, clams boat. What is this? <laughs> what this is a weird one. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna be a weird one, boat. So if you are on Discord, get playing. Write us up a review. We want to read it on next on the next episode. Thank you all so much for listening, and make sure you play your Atari today.